0: Hey, we're going to head into Christmas, uh, Christmas series, Christmas message. Um, and to do that, um, I want to read Psalm chapter 66, verse 5. Psalm chapter 66, verse 5. This is like, I guess, the, the overarching theme of uh, today's Christmas message and then next Sunday, next Sunday night, um, leading into uh, all things Christmas. And I'll tell you what, as a preacher, the Christmas message never changes. Every year, it's just that Jesus was born. Easter never changes. Jesus died on a cross. But somehow, we've got to come up with some creative message to remind everybody uh, about how amazing that is. So I'm hopefully going to do that today um, with this new series we're kicking off. So Psalm 66, verse 5 says this. It'll be on the screen right now. See what God has done. See what God has done. Such a beautiful, concise Simple little phrase, see what God has done. So this Christmas series, what, what I'm hoping to achieve is for all of us to take a 20,000 feet view of the gospel story, of the Christmas message. So, so just raise our eyes that we're not stuck in the manger with baby Jesus, but we can actually see a, a grand view of the fullness of the gospel story. So stories are good. Stories are great. Stories have the power to captivate the imagination of an individual. Stories also have the ability to unite a collective group of people at one particular time in in place. So if you're at the movies, for example, there's 300 people sitting in a theatre watching a story outplay. It has completely captivated the imagination of the individual, but it has united a feeling in the room that that story is conveying to the audience stories have been the primary way throughout history where tradition and truth has been passed down from one generation to the next If you look at any ancient civilization, you will see that technology did not give them the the luxury of being able to put a tweet out there to help people learn some stuff, but they would have to sit down and pass on through verbal stories the truth and the traditions of of their tribe, of their nationality, of their culture, so that the next generation could live it out, and so the cycle would turn. Stories have been a, a pivotal part of the human existence since the very dawn of time. Stories are a universal language that, that permeate literally every corner of the world, every t- tribe, every tongue, every generation, and every nation, all values the art of stories. Um, there are two particular stories in, in my life um, that really made me stand up and pay attention. That just captivated my imagination, captivated my heart. And it's not profound, it didn't change my life, but it just it, it left a lasting impact on me the story, the 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 power of storytelling. I remember being in year ten in English class, and we did a a, a study on the movie um, The Usual Suspects. Have you seen that? The Usual Suspects. Um, incredible! It's like nineteen ninety five film or something like that. But I remember watching it, and I wouldn't recommend it watching with your kids, by the way. Um, just FYI, you are welcome. But I watched this movie, and the storyline with these interwoven plot lines was absolutely phenomenal and then the final scene without giving too much away is like this this the reveal of all reveals where all the the gaps in the storyline throughout the whole movie were made apparent in the last 30 seconds and it left me speechless i was like whoa kaiser Sose kaiser Sose if you know you know (laughs) the other the other was inception i'm missing that for the first time and i was like it's like a brain freeze so so why, why the, the, the levels? And the, why? And I thought to myself, who thinks of this stuff? And then who has the ability to write it down on paper as a screenplay? And then who has the ability to interpret that reading? They go, oh, we can make that into a movie. And then who has the ability to make that into a movie for then an average Joe like me to actually understand and enjoy? But I remember just thinking, my gosh, that story is incredible. How it just captivates you and makes you think and makes you, and opens your mind. And there are many stories about history, modern history in particular, that I think of that that captivate generations, captivate people. The story of Romeo and Juliet is one such story. The story of Lord of the Rings, or if you're a little bit older, Lord of the Flies, a little bit different, but um, War and Peace, Moby Dick, and my personal favourite, Sharknado. So there's so many great quality stories that are told each and every day and year in, year out. But the greatest story of all... Is the story of Christmas but in fact the story of Christmas itself isn't necessarily the story but it's a chapter in a greater story and that story is the gospel of Jesus Christ the story of the gospel is a nonfiction biographical masterpiece that has eternal implications for all the hearers the gospel message of Jesus Christ is an absolute masterpiece but unlike any other film you've watched, book you've read, story you've heard, this story actually has eternal implications for every single person who hears it. I remember talking to, to my barber this week. Thank you for noticing, by the way. Um, and, and we often talk about, because he knows I'm a pastor and, and, and he has a, a history in being brought up in religion that sort of burnt him a little bit. And and so he loves just picking my brain about God and church and theology and things like that, which is awesome. And one thing we we agreed on um, this week when I was getting my hair cut, again, thank you, I, I can't, please, that's enough, um, was the fact that despite what you might believe about Jesus, Jesus was in fact real. He was a, a historical figure that walked this earth and did a bunch of stuff and people wrote about him. Uh, he, he was... A person. He wasn't, he's not a mythical thing, he's not Bugs Bunny or the Roadrunner that, that someone's just imagining in their mind. He actually was a historical figure. And and this is a guy who was a non-believer who goes, I can see that, I can agree on that. And I said, exactly. I said the thing is, the difference is we then have to go, okay, well, who is he? Because the argument's not about was he, the argument is the argument who is he? Is he who he said he was? The king of the Jews, the Lord of all, the Son of God. Or was he just some random bloke that was just dribbling stuff because he had a mental illness and thought he was self-deluded into being something he's not? And so that's what it comes down to: who is Jesus? So I just want to take away right now any of that that mystical fairy tale stuff that we think that Jesus is somehow made up by these weird wacky Christians, and, and we're going to work on the on the presupposition that Jesus was a historical figure, and see how the story unfolds from there. And the reason it has eternal implications for us is because Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can get to the Father, no one can get to heaven except through him. So when we hear that story of Jesus, we're left with two options, to either accept it or reject it. And accepting it or rejecting it both have eternal implications. Accepting it means we enter into an eternity in relationship with God, connected to Him, and rejecting it means that the, the implications are we spend eternity, eternity separated from the love of God, alone, in a dark, never-ending ex- existence of nothingness. So when it comes to stories, people think that there's about maybe seven or eight genres of stories that you could have out there maybe nine types of different stories there's a typical story of you know the the princess is trapped in the castle by the dragon and the the prince comes and slays the dragon and rescues her and we all live happily ever after that's a very typical storyline and there's a bunch of different other ones that 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 fit into different genres but within those genres there's certain elements that exist in almost every story I'm going to choose three elements that's two three elements um, to build this series on so that we can take this 20,000 feet view of the story of the gospel. So the three areas in, in storytelling is the context. All right. So the context is, it's the build-up. It's the, the places, it's the backstory, it's, um, it's, it's how did this all happen, so getting into the context. The second is the conflict. So this is the action, this is where it all happens, right? So you, you understand the context now, now the conflict is happening, there's, there's action going on in the movie, and then the third, or the story, and then the third part is the resolution, which is the conclusion. how it finishes, the, 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 the lasting legacy that it leaves in your mind, the feeling you get when that whole story has resolved itself and we move on past that. So I'm going to build this series around that, the context, the conflict, and the resolution. And so I'm going to I'm going to look at three things today we'll look at the prophets so getting context for Jesus then next Sunday morning we'll look at the prophet Jesus himself and the conflict and the action and then the third part of this series is going to be the prophet as in the lasting legacy the resolution what has come by the story of making its full circle finish and the legacy that now we live in as a result of that story so the prophets the prophet and the prophet so there you go you are welcome So today we're going to look at the context. Firstly, the redemptive story of the gospel is God's forethought. It is not an afterthought. In fact, the the level of intentionality that is in the gospel message is absolutely breathtaking. When you realize how intentional God is, and has been around the redemptive story of the gospel it is just absolutely gobsmacking it's not like you know the the, the corruption of humanity caught god off guard is like oh dear, what are we going to do here uh, i created these guys in my image they're now out of control they're rebelling they're creating false gods uh they're just wacky they're not in relationship with me what am i going to do and it's not like he's going, oh, Jesus. Let's call a little conference call, or Holy Spirit. Let's get into the three of us. Let's let's chat this through this thing. Let's work it out. How are we going to fix this problem of humanity? Uh, ooh. And um, Jesus, I, I need you to just jump in. I, I think what's going to happen is here. I know I used you to form the very creation of the world, and you've sort of been resting since then. But I'm going to need you to go back and sort this out. Uh, I need you to sort of come down. And, and there's none of that. It's not. The story of Jesus is not God's afterthought or reaction. It's actually a forethought. The context surrounding the gospel message of Jesus is purely and powerfully and divinely intentional. And so we're going to look at that today. Hebrews chapter 2. Sorry, Matthew chapter 2. Is that okay? We're good? I hope you're good. Good. Excellent. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, In the days of Herod the king, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. So, again, we're creating context here. Jesus is born. and We all know the Christmas story. The star star was born in the in the sky because that's where stars live and the wise men saw it and they were looking for Jesus and then it says here that king Herod was troubled some translations say afraid why here's a king with all power all authority a violent dominant strong king who is afraid and troubled by the birth of a little baby what what why well the reason why is cuz he knew he was aware that this was going to happen. This didn't take Herod by surprise. There was, there was prophecies. There was, there was words. There was, there was a legacy of truth coming down from generation to generation saying that the Messiah was going to come. And it was going to be, he was going to be born. He was going to be king of the Jews. And so he was aware that this was coming. And the day had arrived, so he was troubled because this, this king of the Jews that's been born potentially had the, the opportunity to dethrone him and topple his kingdom and his power and his reign. And so, what did he do? He sent a decree out to kill all the babies under two years of age. Massive genocide. That was the level of fear and insecurity he had, knowing that this king had come that he knew about, that had been prophesied. He was no dummy. And so, he's trying to do whatever he can to to circumvent that so that he would continue to hold his position in power. The main point is, Herod knew Jesus was coming, it was expected. So I want to look at this expectation. Remember, we're creating context for this story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the prophets, I'm going to look at four prophets in particular. I'm going to look at Moses, Isaiah, uh, David, and Micah. We're going to see how, through Scripture, the context was being made for Jesus and and the gospel story to outplay. This is like the, the start of the film where you're just getting the backstory of going, oh, who are the characters? What's going on? How does this work? So we can see that, like I said, that 20,000 feet view of what is happening in this grand story of Jesus. So, you with me? This is where we get a little bit deep, but it's going to be okay, I promise. It'll be alright. So, in, in Isaiah 7 verse 4, Isaiah writes that this Messiah, this coming prophet, this forethought, because Jesus and his redemptive story is not an afterthought. Isaiah writes in chapter 7 verse 14 that the child will be born of a virgin. That's pretty significant. Like I look around the hundreds of people in this room today. Now biologically, we all have a mum and a dad, fill in the blanks, use your imagination, and now here we are. They biologically did what biologically needed to be done in order for you to be born. Mary didn't have 50% of that biological component. Sorry, Jesus didn't have. Mary was fully woman, she was fine. But Jesus didn't have a biological father to biologically consummate with Mary to create him. He was divinely and miraculously conceived. And so, so this was predicted, prophesied by Isaiah 700 years before it even happened. 700 years. That's a lot of generations where, where God spoke to this guy Isaiah and he wrote down, you know what, when the Messiah comes, he's going to be born of a virgin. That's pretty specific. That had never happened before and it's never happened since because we know how babies are made. If you need to know any more about that, you can talk to Mangs after the service. He can explain it to you. He asked me to say that. So, which was, I thought that was weird. What, what a weird thing to request, Mengs, but you anyway. know. The book of Micah, Prophet Micah in, in chapter 5, verse 2, writes that this Messiah is going to be born in this wee little town, this, this insignificant, miss it, drive past it, won't see it, town of Bethlehem. That's where the Messiah is going to be born. Now, Micah wrote that, again, about now, give me give me about 50 years leeway, all right, just because it's not 100% accurate, but it's pretty close. About 700 years again before Jesus was born, where in Bethlehem, and we see that in Matthew chapter 2, we read before in Genesis chapter 3. It talks about it, sort of predicts and prophesies Jesus's ministry that he would um, conquer and defeat the enemy. That was written 1400 years before Jesus walked this earth and conquered the enemy and defeated him, and read that in 1 John 3, 8. 1,400 years. Can you fathom that? That's 140 decades. Yeah, I'm pretty good at maths. That he would conquer the enemy. In Psalm chapter 78, David writes that, that this Messiah would, would teach in parables. He would teach in stories. And again we see in in Matthew chapter 13, and indeed if you read all through the Gospels and just are observant, you will see that Jesus taught in parables. David wrote that a thousand years before Jesus was even born. it's, It's too specific, it's too good to not be right, to not be coincidental. Isaiah again in chapter 35 verse 5 that Jesus would perform miracles and we see that all through and it's specific in Isaiah 35 about the eyes of the blind being opened, that that the deaf sorry the deaf would hear the blind would see that the mute would speak and that those who are lame would leap for joy you read that in Isaiah 35 and that's exactly what we see time and time again in the ministry of Jesus a thousand or seven hundred years after Isaiah wrote that it's incredible Isaiah also writes that Jesus would be despised and rejected. Again, 700 years. We see that in Luke. He was despised and rejected. His crucifixion in Psalms, verse 22, verse 16. Again, a thousand years, way before Jesus was actually crucified. They're predicting and they're prophesying, and God is setting the scene for the greatest story ever to unfold, a story that has eternal implications for all who hear it. It's not an afterthought. Jesus will conquer death, Isaiah 25. We see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that Jesus did conquer death once and for all. A 700-year gap between when Isaiah wrote it and when it actually came to pass. And lastly, Isaiah again, Isaiah did a lot of prophesying. He's one of the main main dudes when it comes to Messianic prophecies, but um, prophesied that Jesus will make way for the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what we see in the life of, of Jesus Christ, that that he died on the cross, he rose again, and as he ascended to heaven, the Holy Spirit descended on the day of Pentecost, empowered the church to be its comforter, its counsellor, its empowerer, and we now have the presence of God on this earth in the form of God's Holy Spirit. Another prophecy that we see. So the context, the build-up, of the greatest story ever told is that the fact that it's not God's afterthought. God's planned this. Hundreds, thousands of years he's giving us as humanity little road signs, little heads ups. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. Since the dawn of creation, since Genesis chapter 3, there's been glimpses of this Messiah who's going to restore, who's going to redeem, who's going to reconnect humans back to God. It's absolutely astounding. I might get the man back up, we're going to worship in just a moment. If you've got a Bible, turn me to Hebrews chapter 1 as I bring this home. So good. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 2. It says this, Long ago, in a galaxy far, far away. (laughs) I added that bit, that's not true. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. That's right. We just saw that, right? In many ways, God spoke to his people, through prophets, and I've only just chosen a handful of the really obvious um, prophecies that exist in the Old Testament that point towards Jesus. So there, there are hundreds more that are a little bit obscure, take a bit more understanding of you know original text and things like that. But, but there's stacks and stacks in there. The, the whole Bible really is a signpost to Jesus. That's why when He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, no one comes to the Father except through Me, that's because everything was written was written about Him, for Him, to Him. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, through people like Isaiah, people like Moses, people like David, people like Micah, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these days, in these last days and the last days are basically from Jesus' ascension till his return which we have no idea when it is they're the last days but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son whom he appointed the heir of all things you want God to speak to you look to Jesus You want to hear God? You want truth? You want divine wisdom? Look at the life, the nature, and the work of Christ. In Him, the fullness of God dwelt. He is God put on flesh. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And in every situation, like before Jesus, God spoke to people through prophets, various prophets, over various times in history, over various things. But now God's crystal clear. He speaks to His people through Jesus. The high priest who sits on the right hand with the Father in heaven, interceding, praying for us, leading, leading us. And has left us the Holy Spirit to lead us, guide us, comfort us, and empower us. This is the gospel message. This is the masterpiece. This biographical, incredible story that has implications for us, not just on this earth, but on the the life that is to come. John 5, 39, Jesus says this. You search the Scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. So he's sort of correcting that religious mindset, these Pharisees that that knew the Bible, that knew theology, that knew godly concepts. And and they could bamboozle people with their wit and their intellect and make themselves feel more important than everybody else who is maybe less educated than them. Jesus is like, I love Jesus' interaction with people like that. He just cuts them off at the knees. It's absolutely beautiful. He's like, you search the Scriptures. You use your intellect. You use your wisdom. Thinking that you will find eternal life there thinking that you will find the, the Charlie in the Chocolate Factory magic golden ticket that will get you to heaven because you somehow cracked the code of eternal life. And Jesus says this, but it's the scriptures that actually bear witness about me. You're looking to try and figure it out in your own strength to try and crack the code, earn eternal life, grab salvation as an intellectual property. But all the scriptures actually bear witness about me. And it's in Jesus we live and move and have our being. It's always been about Him. It always will be about Him. That life is found in no other name except the name of Jesus. Life that is here on earth and life that is to come only comes through the author of life and the perfecter of life, who is Jesus. So as we... we stay at this level, high up, looking down over over all of history at this wonderful tapestry of a story called the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Knowing that that God designed it this way all along, it was a forethought. It was not a knee-jerk reaction to humanity's craziness. That all throughout history, Jesus spoke to the prophets to inform the people that redemption was coming. A Savior was near. And that's why when Jesus was born, King Herod freaked out because he knew. He knew the context of the story, he knew the setup that Jesus would be a threat to his authority. And so that's why I've titled this series, See What God Has Done. Because the gospel story didn't start when you first met Jesus in church one time. And God saved you and God touched you and God healed you. The gospel story started at the very dawn of creation. Because God sees all, God knows all. Why he would create us, knowing that we would stuff it all up, I don't know. But maybe that's just the love of a father. So let, let the kids sometimes learn the hard way but even all in all that the redemption that comes through Christ alone was there the signposts were there all the way through the prophets so next week we're going to look at the prophet Jesus himself the arrival the action part of the story his arrival what he did how that works and then wrap that up next Sunday night with the prophet the legacy resolution, the resolve in that story and what that now means for you and I in this life now. Seeing the story of Jesus that lives on even 2,000 years later. Let me pray for us. eh? Why don't we stand and we're going to worship together. Father, I just thank you for every single person in this building. I thank you for this season of the year, this, this Christmas time, Lord, that Sure, it gets crazy, gets super hectic and busy and there's lots of stuff on, lots of places to be, lots of people to buy presents for. And... But Lord, I pray that through all the busyness and the chaos that there'd be clarity. Clarity about who you are, clarity about what you've done, clarity about how much you love us. And so Lord, I pray that today that we would have a deeper appreciation to see what you have done and be thankful for what you've done. Be thankful that you sent your only son into this world. God in flesh, Emmanuel, God with us to lead us back home with you. Lord, I thank you that this is the greatest story ever told. This is the greatest story that's ever been. Let this be the reality of our life as we chase after you, as we, as we live like you, God. Would you bless us today in Jesus' name? Amen. Thanks, God.